Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. Hey, and welcome to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great estate plans. My name is Tim Seckler, and I am here to chat with you each and every week about things I think you need to know about how this stuff really works. So at my law firm, uh, we talk about wills and trusts and powers of attorney. We do these estate planning documents to help people plan for what happens when life throws you a curveball. Somebody gets sick. Somebody's going through a divorce. Somebody passes away. There's disability. All these different things. And, and what we like to do is have our clients prepared for life's twists and turns so that they understand how uh, those twists and turns, uh, you know, life's curveballs are going to impact their finances, their decision-making, the control they have over over their health care. Uh, and so in my practice, we teach our clients all of these things. Uh, and, you know, I like to think that we go a little bit farther than a lot of estate planners uh, do with their practices. Uh, so we have this entire educational series that we ask our clients to go through where we talk about wills and trusts. Um, I personally think that if it's, it's always sort of been my philosophy that if I teach people um, the the things they need to know about this, they'll end up making great decisions for their families. And so with our law firm, we do the education piece for free. So we, we will uh, invite you to a workshop where we teach you the difference between a will and a trust. We teach you the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust and why irrevocable trusts aren't scary and aren't just for rich people. Um, I happen to think a lot of middle-class families should consider irrevocable trusts and the like. Uh, but so many people just default to... All I need is a will because I don't understand this other stuff. But if you took the time to understand this stuff, well, then what you're going to realize is, oh, my goodness, there's some real risks. Um, like what uh, taxes, for example, a lot of families make mistakes when they do simpler estate plans or or uh, risk of loss to long-term care expenses, in-home care, nursing home care. And, you know, with nursing homes costing what they cost, uh, which can exceed $15,000 a month, it seems to me that this is probably a thing we should think about, which is why we invite you to our um, uh, our workshops that we have a couple of different types a month. So now we are now hosting workshops in Cranberry Township in Monroeville and in South Point. So whichever quarter of the Pittsburgh region you live in, our goal is to try to have a workshop within a half an hour drive of you. Uh, so Cranberry, Monroeville, and South Point should be a place you can get to uh, and come to one of our upcoming workshops. Now, the seating is limited on these things, so in, in there's a lot of interest in what we're doing, so they will fill up. So if you go to my website, now my name is Tim Seckler. The name of the law firm is the Seckler Law Firm. That can be tricky to spell, but my first name, Tim, is not. So just go to estateplantim.com and you'll find a workshops tab and you can go to the workshops and, and attend one of the upcoming workshops where you can learn all about this stuff. Now, um, the educational topic for today's show, what I want to talk to you about is uh, a thing called the Estate Recovery Program. Okay, now the Estate Recovery Program is about the most Orwellian scary thing uh, that you can think of a government doing. It is how the state of Pennsylvania will come and take your house after you pass away if you've had the audacity to need dementia. And what I mean by that, I'm going to find the article here. What I mean by that is, all right, so if someone ends up going to a nursing home, 
all of their money needs to be spent on care before the government helps at all, right? So I talk about this on the show all the time, how our government disproportionately treats people based on the health care event they ultimately have, right? Because all of our seniors, most of our seniors are on Medicare. Now, Medicare is in the acute care business. Medicare pays for acute care, things like surgeries, uh, medications, hospitalizations. But Medicare does not pay for custodial long-term care. They just don't pay for it. And so we have lots of seniors in this state and across the country going broke in nursing homes or in personal care homes because they had the audacity to have a health care issue that resulted in the need for custodial care rather than acute care, right? Because if it were heart disease and they were having heart attacks and hospitalizations and those things, well, Medicare pays for that. But if you have dementia or Parkinson's disease, or a stroke and you need somebody standing next to you all the time helping care for you, well, Medicare just says, no, 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 no. We're not going to pay for that. Are you serious, seniors? You want us to pay for your medical care? Uh, No, we're not going to pay for that custodial long-term care, which then means all of that stuff becomes private pay at the rate of about $15,000 a month in Pennsylvania. Now, let's say somebody then goes into a nursing home setting and they have, let's say it's a single person, all right, and they have a home plus, say, $200,000 in the bank, all right? So not what most of us would consider a super wealthy family, but they've worked hard for their 200000 and they're probably getting by month to month just fine until they end up in the nursing home. Now, when they get into the nursing home, now they're going through fifteen grand a month in long-term care costs, right? So that two hundred grand is gone in, what, 14 months? It's gone. Now they're broke, and they go on Medicaid benefits, right? So you apply for Medicaid benefits. And what they tell you when you apply for Medicaid benefits is you get to keep the house, right? So you can become eligible for Medicaid when um, when your assets are below about 2000 bucks. And it's a little state-to-state, but let's just for today say my assets are below $2,000. And now I'm eligible for Medicaid. Once I'm eligible for Medicaid... All of my monthly income needs to go to the nursing home, all right? So, okay, well, I'm eligible for Medicaid, but then they're taking my Social Security check and any other income I have. Now, I have the house, okay, Um, but they took all my money, and now I have no income, which begs the question, okay, Harrisburg, you know, the, the policy wonks in Harrisburg and in other state capitals want you to think they don't steal your house from you. That's what they want you to think, that this program is not designed to impoverish you. You get to keep your house. So you get to go on Medicaid as long as you sign a form that says, I have the intent to return to my house, which I challenge you to go to any nursing home and find someone who does not have the intent to return to their home. Right? But you took all my money. Now you're taking all my monthly income. I have the intent to return home, but how in the world am I supposed to pay my property taxes and utilities if I have no money and you're taking all of my income? How is is this possible that I'm going to keep my house there, Mr. Policy Wonk? And the answer is you can't. Okay, so then what happens is the adult children, who may or may not be the power of attorney, will approach our law firm and they'll want to sell dad's house. Hey, dad's finally on the Medicaid Thank God we're not going through 15000 a month anymore. We're just going through a Social Security check. But we can't afford the house. So, look, I, uh, you know, I'm the power of attorney. I'd like to sell my dad's house. And we have to say, well, well, wait a second. Um, you probably don't want to do that because if you do that and you sell dad's house and let's say you get $200,000 for it, 
Well, that's cash, and your dad's not allowed to have cash. And so if he has cash, he's going to lose Medicaid benefits until he spends another $200,000 on his care for the next 14 months. And then when that money's gone, well, then you'll get Medicaid again, and then they'll take his Social Security check. But every penny your dad ever worked for is gone in that instance. And then the kids will say, "What? but wait, I thought they said we got to keep the house. No, they said you could be eligible for Medicaid and still own a house, but nobody ever told you you'd get to keep the house. See, it's a little distinction. A little, you see how there's a little, a little turn of the phrase, a little, a little bit of, of nuance that, that um, the politicians would rather that you don't know about that, well, you can, you can have your house and be eligible for Medicaid. As long as you have the intent to return home, we won't take your house. We will make it financially impossible to keep your house, but we don't take it. You know, and, and it's what's the difference? I don't have a house anymore. And, and if I sell it, I don't have any money anymore. And what if I want to return home then? Um, and sometimes, sometimes we will, um, you know, we, we advise the kids that you can't really sell the house. And the kids will say, okay, great. You know what? Thanks, thanks for that warning. You know what? I've read Dad's will. And Dad's will says that when he passes away, anything in his estate comes to me, the kid. I'm a, let's say it's an only child. So the kid's going to inherit the house. So the kid says, well, hmm, maybe what I should do is I should just cover Dad's property taxes and I should cover his utilities because then when he passes away, I'm going to inherit a $200,000 home. And as morbid as this all is, it's worth me spending the money to pay his property taxes to protect my $200,000 inheritance. So you know what? All right, fine. I don't want to do it, but I'll do it, and, and it'll, it'll work out okay. Except it's not going to work out okay. Because when you apply for Medicaid, and the entire three-inch stack of paperwork that the nursing home is required to give you, which tells you got to sort through all dad's financials and all the different things. you got to turn it on. you got to disclose it all. Have we done any gifting? All of this stressful stuff. In, in the middle of that stressful chaos that happens when somebody's admitted to a nursing home, they slide in a little brochure. And the little brochure is about a program called estate recovery. Now, on the outside of the brochure is this image of, like, this clinician-looking person in a white robe and, and, uh, or, like, medical gown type thing. And, and everybody is smiling in the thing. And the entire brochure is about how they will steal your home from you when you pass away through a program that is called the Estate Recovery Program. Now, I imagine that the same policy wonks that don't want you to know that they take all your stuff would prefer that I not use the word steal. They would prefer me to say, well, we don't steal anything. And, and you know, we don't even take the home. We don't want real estate. What we want is once the person is done with Medicaid, once they pass away, once they're done with life and they've been a Medicaid recipient, if they've managed to still own the home, which probably means the kids have been footing the bill for a while, what happens is then now the house ends up in the person's estate. Hmm. I've seen that word before, estate. Um, the thing called estate recovery, right? So now that the house is in the estate, now Pennsylvania has an entire department of people dedicated to making sure that the executor knows that the state has a claim against the house. 
called the estate recovery claim. Now, this claim is going to require the executor of the estate to sell the house and pay back the state of Pennsylvania for every penny they spent on dad's care. Wait, what? I thought you said, and then the clients say things like, wait a second. No, 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 no. The people at the nursing home, and when we were applying for Medicaid, they said you get to keep the house. No, they didn't. They said you could become eligible for Medicaid while still owning the house. But we slid that little brochure two inches into the three-inch stack of paperwork that explains the estate recovery program. And the estate recovery program stands for the idea that you will lose the house when you pass away, which means the house is not safe. Right? Yes, you can become eligible for Medicaid and still own a house. No, that doesn't mean the family gets to keep the house. And it's not just the nursing home. There are community programs. If you apply for community health choices or the life program, these, these Medicaid long-term care programs, when somebody ends up sick, they all have the estate recovery claim attached to them. And so this, to me, is like the most sneaky, devious thing, and it's one of the least understood things because, you know, people say you can keep the house or maybe I can't keep the house and I don't want to do with the house. And, and then and people find out the hard way, you don't really get to keep the house. Now, the reason I'm talking about the estate recovery program today is because my father, who pays attention to what I do, we've got to give a shout-out to uh, Ken Seckler for sending over an article he came across, which is, an Ohio-based newspaper called the Springfield News Sun that did a piece here on the Ohio Estate Recovery Program. And it tells the tale of a family, uh, Rebecca Miller, whose father was on Medicaid for about two years, and um, after 30 days after her father passed away, she received a letter from the Ohio Attorney General's office stating that her father owed $56,000 to the Ohio Medicaid Estate Recovery Program. Um, the Medicaid collection program was foreign to the Clinton County woman, probably because the nursing home handed the brochure two inches in to a three-inch stack of paper to someone who had mild dementia when they went into the nursing home and nobody knew anything about it. Maybe. Just saying that might have been what happened. And so now what happens is um, the only home I've ever known is going to be lost. They were going to take the place because of a $56,000 lien for Medicaid. Now, Pennsylvania doesn't technically use liens, but it's the same effect for the service he owes. And this is pretty common. So this report has some Ohio numbers, but there's a reference to Pennsylvania I want you to know about. So the Ohio Attorney General's Office, which collects the funds for the Ohio Department of Medicaid, has recovered more than $270 million in the last four years, uh, which is uh, a year in – wait, I'm sorry. Let me just read it. Has recovered more than $270 million since 2019, a year which more than $730 million was collected nationwide. Now, I want to share this with you. Later in this article, and you can find it. Let me give you the, the proper reference. It's the Springfield News Sun online, and if you search for state recovery, I'm sure you'll find the article. Um, there's a statistic in here about Pennsylvania, and I want to make sure that I read it to you correctly. Just a second. All right. In 2019... States nationwide 
reported collecting $733 million from beneficiary states. States return part of the money to the federal government, ah, so the feds are complicit, based on their federal medical assistance percentage according to 2021. The amount of each state collects annually varies. Hawaii's estate recovery program only collected 31000 in 2019, so maybe they need to hire some people to take some more houses in Hawaii. I'm not sure. And while Iowa recovered more than $26 million. So we got some pretty disproportionate impact here, depending on where you live. And here's the one that's going to hit you. The five states with the largest estate recovery programs, Massachusetts, New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Wisconsin account for 38.5% of all recoveries in fiscal year 2019. So what was the number? $733 million times 38.5% is $282 million collected from people's homes out of just five states in a single year, all right? Pennsylvania being one of the largest. So I'm here with a message to you that says, please, 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 please get your head out of the sand on this issue. Our government system requires you to go broke if you need long-term care. And they say you can become eligible for Medicaid while keeping the house, but don't think for a second that that means you get to keep the house or that your kids are going to somehow inherit the house or if it is your parent in the nursing home that your parent is going to be allowed to keep the house and leave it to you. That's not how it works. The state of Pennsylvania is going to take that home after you pass away, which has made home ownership in your own name something of a burden in our retirement years. And this is the stuff that I teach you at our workshops, our uh, estate planning and elder law workshops. It's called the Three Secrets to Protect Your Legacy. You can find out all about these workshops. We have some upcoming in Cranberry Township, Monroeville, and in South Point. We wanted to try to surround Pittsburgh so everybody had the opportunity to not have too long of a drive to get to one of these things. So they're coming up. If you go to my website, my law firm is called Seckler Law Firm. You go to secklerlawfirm.com. But that's pretty hard to spell, so go to estateplantim.com. If you go to estateplantim.com, you're going to find all of these assets, uh, all of these workshops. You can find lots of materials and all types of content that we put out because I don't want you to lose your home. I've had this broken government system impact my own family personally. We help a dozen families a month who are going through this stuff, and I don't want it to happen to you, which is why we host the educational workshops I want you to know your options. And what is the option? Well, it occurs to me that there's some nuances with the Medicaid law that you should probably know about, one of which occurs in the estate recovery space. All right, so let's talk about estate recovery in a little bit more detail. This is the program where they take your house from you after you pass away. Well, it turns out that at least in Pennsylvania, and of course every state does this differently, it probably doesn't work this way in Hawaii since they only recovered thirty-one thousand dollars total in twenty nineteen, and you know in Ohio we had one case where they collected fifty-six thousand. So it's not uh, it's not administered um, equally across fifty states, and Pennsylvania is one of the bigger ones, right? All right. Well, in Pennsylvania, even though they're fairly aggressive. The estate recovery claim is limited to someone's probate estate. 
probate estate is the assets that go through your will when you pass away, which is the best argument I have to have middle-class families not have anything go through the will. Don't use a will. Will equals estate recovery. All right, I'll say it again. Your will equals estate recovery. If the house goes through your will, don't count on the house going to any of your family members. If you've been in a nursing home, the state of Pennsylvania is likely to going to come after that thing, okay? Which is why my clients often don't own their houses in their own name because if you own it in your own name, it goes through your will. What I like to do is hold the house in an irrevocable asset protection trust that protects the house after five years. After five years, if you need to go to the nursing home, Medicaid can't count the house. When you pass away, it is now in a trust, which means it does not go through your will. It goes according to the terms of the trust. The trust says, sell the house and give the money to my kids or distribute the house to my son. The trust has those instructions. And because the trust is not a probate asset, the trust assets don't go through probate, a state recovery cannot recover against a trust. I can't put it any more bluntly. Your house, if you are a middle-class family, retired, thinking about retirement, concerned about what happens if one of us has dementia, because one in three of us will have dementia, and nursing homes are 180 grand a year. If we're concerned about this risk, for most families, now I can't, this isn't legal advice. I'm not telling you specifically what to go out and do today, but it just seems to me like a lot of families should consider having their house in a properly drafted, irrevocable trust that protects the house from the nursing home. Why not? Um, that's my take on it. Now, you might have be hearing this message for the first time. You might have been listening to the radio show for the last year. But maybe this message is just, is just landing on you for the first time in a real way because this estate recovery issue is real, okay? If it is just landing on you and you want to know if, if I'm really talking to you, if you really want to know if your specific house should be in a trust, come to one of our workshops. This is why they're free. I want you to have the education. I want you to learn what this is all about. And then we're going to teach you how we continue to provide you education. We continue to coach you. We continue to do it as cheaply as we possibly can to help make sure that we can protect your house from long-term care expenses. Okay. It is your biggest risk in retirement. There is no other creditor for most families that would come after you for $100,000 to $150,000 a year. There's no other creditor out there. It's long-term care. And if you end up in a nursing home, these bills get real, real, and real fast. And then once you go through the money, the estate recovery claim kicks in. And this is like sort of part and parcel with my entire philosophy on how to plan for middle-class families. If you have been told, hey, look, you're not rich. All you need is a will. I disagree. All right. Maybe somebody can convince me one day that that's good advice. I don't typically see it as being good advice for a lot of my clients. A lot of my clients' houses, I believe, should be in trusts because estate planning is not the same as death planning. A will, the only job, the primary purpose of a will is to say who gets your stuff when you pass away. And so if somebody says all you need is a will, well, then you have to, you have to ask the person, well, but yeah, yeah, okay, I understand, equal shares to the kids. 
But what happens if I get sick first? You know, I heard this guy, Tim, on the radio talking about how expensive nursing homes are and how one in three people are going to have dementia. And I would prefer that my stuff gets to my kids without any undue influence or undue you know, interference by the state, the, um, the tax man, the nursing home, creditor issues. I'd like for my stuff to get to my kids. I worked hard for my kids. And you're telling me all I need is a will, which I understand that probably doesn't protect me from any of my long-term care creditors during my life, right? So then how are we going to make sure that there's actually going to be something to get to my kids? And when you see the confused look on the attorney's face, you know you're probably not working with the right person, okay? Um, Estate planning is not death planning. Estate planning incorporates death planning. It also incorporates tax planning. It also incorporates good, solid, long-term care planning. Where am I going to receive my care, and how am I going to pay for it? My daughter doesn't live next door. My daughter's not going to give me a bath. I'm going to need long-term care at some point in time. How? Who am I going to hire? Where am I going to live? Where am I going to receive, and how am I going to pay for it? That Now, that's estate planning for retirees, and that is what we try to help our clients with. Um, And if this is of interest to you, come to one of our workshops. Go to estateplantim.com. Go to the workshops tab. While you're on the website, you feel free to cruise all the information we put on there. I got over 100 episodes of this radio show at this point in time. Um, just trying to teach you the things I think you need to know. I, I, my my goal with this radio show and my goal with the workshop is I will not waste your time. I hope you learned something in today's workshop in today's radio show. I promise you're going to learn some more stuff if you come to one of our workshops. Um, and um, you know, and then we can work with you to help you make the right decisions. But it starts with education, which is why we do it for free. Come to one of our workshops. We got them coming up in Cranberry Township. We have them in Monroeville. And we have them in South Point all this month. Um, So check them out. I think you'll find them beneficial. Remember, folks, that this radio show is educational. It is for your information. You are not my client. I would love to have you as a client. you got to engage our law firm first. So don't make any uh, decisions based on what you heard on this or any other radio show. If you need legal advice, you need to hire a lawyer, we're available anytime at 724-546-4227 or go to thesecularlawfirm.com. Estateplantim.com will also get you there. So thanks for listening to this week's show. Hope you learned something. Hope I scared the heck out of you. Hope to see you soon. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.